hello, Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. It is a joy to be with you again. If you are new to the broadcast, we have a show every Monday streaming on charismapodcastnetwork.com. You could also go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, anywhere that podcasts are listened to and tune in. If you listen every single week, thank you so much for being a faithful listener. So many incredible testimonies are coming forth uh, on my email, on our website. And so thank you for spreading this and sharing this with family and friends. Honestly, <laughs> the, you, know, you guys are, you help get this message out. Thank you for subscribing, rating, reviewing, so we can touch more lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it's all about him. Ephesians 5.14, it says, Awake, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That was spoken to believers, not unbelievers. The Apostle Paul was speaking to the church of Ephesus. If you've listened to the show, you know this is our passion, to see hearts awakened to the majesty and beauty of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for us to know the power of this gospel, to know our identity in Christ, and to learn how to walk that out every single day, to destroy destroy the works of the enemy to know who we are in Christ and so that we could live with purpose before him every single day. And so I have an incredible guest on the show with me today. Um, so since I got saved in 2008, um, he was one of the first authors and ministers, teachers that I was introduced to and books that he has written have um, really imparted and impacted my life in a huge way. And so this is the second time on the show with me, so I'm extremely grateful. But his name is John Bevere, and he's an international best-selling author. He's written more than 20 books that have collectively sold millions of copies and been translated in 129 languages. So good. And along with his wife, Lisa, John is the co-founder of Messenger International. This ministry is committed to revolutionizing global discipleship. And listen to this. Messenger has given over $50 million in translated resources to leaders across the globe. That is incredible. That's 50 50 million resources, not dollars. So it's actually Wow. Okay, great. That's awesome. And they have an app called Messenger X that was developed um, providing translation, digital discipleship resources at no cost to users in 118 languages and counting. And so this is just incredible. Messenger X currently um, has users in over 19,000 cities and 228 nations. Thank you so much, John, for joining me on the show. Michael, it's such a pleasure and it's an honor to be on the show with you. And I thank you so much for what you're doing. And I can just hear the passion in your voice that you really care about people and you're reaching out to help people. So thank you, brother. Yeah, and I just love to see the the reach of Messenger International and now Messenger X and that you guys are getting so many resources in the hands of leaders across the world because just alone, you know, the impact that your ministry and your writings have made on my life is tremendous and the know that's happening to millions of lives around the world is that's incredible. I mean, it's a calling. We're all called to reach people, Michael. And Jesus made this statement. He said, "Without me, you could do nothing." Yeah. And then he made the other mm-hmm. statement in Luke 17, after you've done all these things you're commanded to do, say we're unprofitable servants. We've only done that, which is our duty to do. That's what we're doing. We're all doing our duty. We have different aspects. And I believe that with all my heart that all of us who obey God to what he has called us to do, yes. we will be standing together, beholding Jesus and rejoicing. Come on. That's so good. Um, I'm excited to talk to you about your newest book release. Uh, the name of the book is The Awe of God, The Astounding Way a Healthy Fear of God Transforms Your Life. 
I'm so grateful. When I first got saved, I got a copy of your book, Drawing Near. I was probably saved only a few weeks. And um, you talk about the fear of the Lord in that book and the reality that the fear of the Lord drives us closer, draws us closer to God, does not drive us away from God. And I began to pray a prayer. Um, I began to say, like, I began to recognize the importance of humility and the fear of the Lord just from reading your book. And I began to pray like, Lord, may the fear of the Lord be my portion and may humility be the cup that I drink from all the days of my life. And as I began to pray that Proverbs 22, four stuck out to me where it says the reward of humility and the fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and a long life. And man, your books are always so full of scripture. And I just want to know kind of going into this broadcast, I know this is a life message for you. I know that you carry this heavily. Tell us a little bit about your journey and, and how this message developed in you. So it began back in uh, 19, the early 1990s. I, I was seeing in scripture a, a phrase that I wasn't hearing taught in the church, and that was the fear of the Lord. Mm. And I started studying it, and I, I, but I didn't preach it from behind a pulpit because I didn't have the revelation that God had given me now. But I remember in 1994, I was speaking at a church conference, and the Lord put it in my heart pretty strongly to speak on it. So I went up, I spoke on it. The next night, I I got up to speak, before I got up to speak at the conference, the leader of the conference got up and he said, y'all, I just want to protect you from the error that John preached last night. We are New Testament Christians. We don't need to fear God. That's an Old Testament teaching Mm -hmm. because perfected love casts out fear. And we have the love of God in our hearts. And he went on and on and on for 15 minutes. And then he introduced me, Michael, I couldn't believe it. He introduced me. I was thinking, okay, I'm not speaking tonight. Wait to get out of here. I've just been corrected for 15 minutes publicly and had no idea this was going to happen. Wow. So I got up and it was probably one of the hardest messages that I've ever preached. Um, I got through about a 30 minute message. I asked to be taken straight back to the hotel. The next morning I got up, I went out to a construction site and it was Saturday morning. So no workers were there. And I started praying and I said, God, how have I hurt your church? I'm so sorry. I mean, this man's much more experienced than me. He's got a massive church. I'm so deeply sorry. I'm putting people into bondage. But yet the more I prayed, Michael, the more I felt the pleasure of God. And I found myself before that morning was out at that construction site, crying out to know the fear of God. Mm -hmm. And that began my journey. Well, later on that year, a very well-known televangelist who had the biggest ministry in the world at the time got arrested, put into prison, 1990. He had read my first book that I had written called Victory in the Wilderness. Yep. It's now called God, Where Are You? Mm-hmm. Uh, in prison. And he called from prison and asked this assistant to track me down and ask if I would come visit him. So I remember walking into this penitentiary, and this is probably one of the most infamous men in the world at the time all for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And because CNN covered his trial every single day. Wow. And I remember he grabbed me and he held me and he held me, he wouldn't let me go. And then he grabbed me by the shoulder and he said, did you write this or did a ghostwriter? I said, no, I wrote it. He said, we have so much to talk about. And the first thing he said to me, Michael, when he sat down mm-hmm. in his prison guard, he said, John, this, gu- this judgment was, or excuse me, this prison was not God's judgment on my life. Mm-hmm. It was his mercy. He said, because John, if I would have kept living the way I was living, I would have ended up separated from God in hell forever. And I thought, wow, okay, I am talking to a broken man of God here, a genuine broken man of God. So then he shared how Jesus came to his prison, delivered him, shared about their church in the prison, shared about how he spent two hours at least, usually three to four hours every day in the word. Mm 
And so after he told me his whole story, I asked him, I said, okay, I have a question. When did you fall out of love with Jesus? And he looked at me and he said, I didn't. I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. You committed adultery in 1983. You got arrested in 1990. There's seven years you're not living right for God at all. Mm-hmm. What do you mean you didn't fall out of love with Jesus? He said, John, I loved him all the way through it. And when he saw the confusion in my eyes, he said, John, I didn't fear him. Mm-hmm. And he said, John, there's millions of Americans like me. They love Jesus, but they have no fear of God. And that started my journey. And I remember a couple of years later, now I'm really digging after that experience, you know, at the construction site with that man of God. Now I'm really seeking God. And I remember going down to Brazil in 1997. It was January 97. It was a national conference. First time I'd ever been in Brazil. Yeah, I'd never been there before. And I was so excited, Michael. Well, they bring me into this arena. Now, this is a national conference for for a church network of that, that has literally hundreds of thousands. And so they bring me in. There's thousands of, of, of Brazilians in this arena. They're all believers. Mm-hmm. And there's no presence of God. None. And I bow my head and I say, God, where is your presence? And I opened my eyes and I started noticing people were talking to each other, walking around, going out and getting concessions in the arena. People had their arms folded, looking around. They had their hands in their pocket, looking down. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this will change. Well, the worship was over. Now that the music stopped playing, you could hear a mutter from all the people talking to each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the leaders gets up and starts reading out of the Bible, and you and people are still talking. They're still walking around. And I, I'm like, what? And the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart and said, you must deal with this. So I remember thinking, how do I get everybody's attention? Because they're about to introduce me. And so God gave me an idea. I know he did. So I walk up to the podium when they introduced me with my translator right beside me. And I just stared at everybody. Didn't say a word. Now, when you're the Friday night guest speaker for the national conference in Brazil, and you're not saying a word after a full minute, that gets everybody's attention. Everybody stopped talking. They stopped walking around. They looking at me like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And I remember the very first words I spoke in public in Brazil was I have two questions. I didn't say, great to be here. Thank you for having me. I said, I have two questions. You're talking to somebody sitting across the table. The whole time you're talking to them, they got their arms folded looking around or they're whispering to somebody beside them. Would you continue to talk to them? No. I said, what if every time you go to your neighbor's house, you knock on the door and when they open the door, they go, oh, it's you. And they walk into the house, leaving the door open. I said, will you continue to go? No. I said, I have been in this arena for a couple of hours now. There is not an ounce of the presence of God, I said, because God will never come into an atmosphere where he's not held with the utmost of respect. Psalm 89, verse 7 says, God is to be greatly feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those who surround him. Mm-hmm. And then I preached to them. I said, and I actually said to them, if if the president of your nation would have walked on this platform tonight, he would have gotten 10 times the respect the Holy Spirit did. If Pele, your greatest soccer player, would have walked on this platform tonight, you would have been on the edge of your seats anticipating every word. I said, you've given no respect to the Holy Spirit. And I preached for an hour and a half on the fear of the Lord. At the end, I said, everybody, you're, you you say you're a believer, but you, you, you lack the fear of God and you're willing to repent. Stand up. 75% of the arena stands up. Soon as they do, presence of God falls out in the arena. So powerful. And I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. We didn't even pray yet. 
And the president, I mean, people weeping everywhere. I'm like, amazing. And later on, when I was thinking about this, the Lord said, yeah, the prodigal son didn't say anything to the father. He just had a change of heart, started heading home. And the father came running to him with gifts. Yes, that's right. And I thought, wow, God, I'm just loving this. No, no, even prayer of repentance. And you're already manifesting, right? So it lifted the presence. I let him in a prayer of repentance. Another wave came. It was beautiful. More people crying. It lifts after three or four minutes. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, I'm coming one more time. I had no idea what was about to happen. But within moments of him saying that to me, the only way I know how to describe it is you're in a forest and a 30 mile an hour wind begins to blow through the forest mm. and you hear the howling and the whistling, right? Wow. That yeah. kind of a sound came into that arena. Now, the Brazilians started erupting in prayer. Okay, can you imagine thousands of Brazilians erupting in prayer, right? The yeah. wind was loud. And I remember, Michael, I'm standing there and I'm going, Bevere, you say one wrong word, you make one wrong move, you're dead. Mm. Now, would that have happened? I don't know. But Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 made a wrong move in that atmosphere and they buried them. Mm-hmm. All I knew is that daddy wasn't in the arena. The king was in the arena. Mm. And I knew that irreverence wouldn't be tolerated. Mm-hmm. And I remember that win lasted for about 90 seconds. I'm literally frozen. I'm like, oh, my. I, I remember what came out of my mouth was, oh, my God. Oh, my God. My God. And the wind just blew for 90 seconds. It subsided. It left in its way. People just collapsed over chairs, weeping. And I remember I'm, I'm standing there and I go, what do I do now? And the Holy Spirit said, I'm through with you. <laughs> so I turned it over to the leader. They bring me to the car. The wow. national singer gets in the car. She goes, did you hear the wind? Did you hear the wind? I said, oh, maybe it was a jet aircraft flying low. And she goes, what are you talking about? She got upset with me, right? <laughs> yeah. And her husband said, look, that was no jet airplane. I said, well, how do you know? And he said, because I was back with all the leaders at the soundboard because I had to make sure my wife's levels were right. He said, when the sound of the wind came, I'm watching the decimal meters. They were at zero. Mm -hmm. He said, now one ounce of the sound came through our sound system. And he said, and the unbelieving security men and policemen outside the arena came running in saying, what is going on in here? And I remember the next morning, the presence of God, just those same people, same arena, the presence of God was so strong and people received so, so much. And we heard about that win for 22 years after it happened. 2019 was the last time Lisa went down to do a national conference in Brasilia, the capital city. And the leader said to her, I was in the meeting when the wind blew in 1997. My life's never been the same. I went to Guayania, Brazil in 2016 to speak to 12,000 pastors. The, the, the pastor introduced himself, said, I was in that meeting in 2016 or, or 1997. My life has never been the same. So the wow. fear of the Lord changes us if we look at it. And so I started realizing, okay, there's there's a lot more to the fear of the Lord than I've heard. Mm-hmm. And I started going into a deep dive. Now, I wrote a book called The Fear of the Lord in 1997. This is a total rewrite. Mm-hmm. This is this is almost, I'd like to say, a, a, a different message on the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this message, the book I wrote in 97, actually what happened was we were getting ready to do a reprint. And I read it and I said, uh-uh, this doesn't apply to today. Yeah. And the reason I thought that is because there are so many believers today that are dis, dis, 
what do I want to say? They're disillusioned in their walk with God. Mm-hmm. They, 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 his presence seems to escape him, them. They're, they're not hearing his voice. And as a result, we have lost over 40 million believers in America in the last 23 years. That's a in-depth Barner report. Yeah. They say now, statistically, we are losing over a million young people a year. Hmm. They're walking away from the faith. Now, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 tells us that. In the last days before the man of sin is revealed, there's going to be a great falling away of the faith. Mm-hmm. And that deep burden kept growing and growing in me. And last year, I felt like the Lord said, I want you to write this. Mm-hmm. And I felt like when I would write it this time, you know, I turned 64 this year. And I know everybody's what everybody's thinking. I don't look a day over 80. I know. But anyway, I, 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 I just felt like this time I would be speaking more as a father. Mm-hmm. Whereas the first time I spoke as a young, like prophetic voice. Mm-hmm. But I am just so deeply, deeply burdened for how many people we're losing. And it, it keeps happening. We see pastors and leaders that are burning out. They're blowing up. They're going shipwrecked. They're leaving the ministry. Every single one of those pastors came into ministry, excited to serve, passionate about Jesus, passionate about ministry, and yet they're falling in ways that we can't even imagine. I was so burdened for those pastors, for all the people that have walked away from the faith. I mean, do you know half of those 40 million say that they're now agnostics, atheists, and spiritualists? Yeah. Mm. Okay, so we're talking population of America is 332 million. So we're talking more than one out of every 10 people in America have walked away from the faith in the last 23 years. So it's an epidemic. It's a crisis. And so God really put in my heart. He said, son, write this book. Because if you look at the fear of the Lord, you know, and, and, am I talking too much? Can I keep, can no, I keep sharing? Keep, no, keep on. you're good. Absolutely. Okay, so two years after Brazil, I go to the, the nation of Malaysia, the uh, Kuala Lumpur. It was the hardest, some of the hardest meetings I've ever done. And I remember it was the largest Bible school in the nation. People had come from all over the nation. The reason probably it was hard is, you know, Islam is state religion That's right. in Malaysia. That's right. Yeah. So I'm in Kuala Lumpur. We're in the last meeting. The auditorium, this time it's not an arena, it's an auditorium. The auditorium is jam packed. And I remember, you know, the, the stage was really, really wide. It was just really wide. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I make a call for all the women that were called to ministry that had never publicly acknowledged it. To, and I mean, we were four or five deep of women all along this long stage front. Right. And I remember I thought, okay, I'm going to go lay hands on and pray for them. So I'm walking down the steps. And as soon as I, I did, it was like, God came into that place. And, and and those women, the joy of the Lord, the love of God hit them so strong for about four or five minutes. Then the Lord said, I'm coming in a different way. And I remember the it, it, it kind of the atmosphere changed. It got silent. And then all of a sudden they started crying out like they did in Brazil. They were weeping mm. and even wailing. Yeah. And it was holy. And I remember that atmosphere hit again. And I got on my feet and I thought, oh, my God, it was the same thing, except there wasn't the wind. And I remember, Michael, that lasted about three minutes. And again, the pastor said, hey, we're not doing a song. We're not doing anything. Whenever you want to leave, leave. Stay as long as you want. 
Well, I felt like it was time for me to leave. And I started walking out. And I remember I'm walking out and there's a couple from India and they were in the Bible school. And all of us just stared at each other. We just looked at each other like, did what just happened really happen? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no way to describe the wonderful authority that hits the atmosphere when that kind of presence comes in. I mean, yeah. if you look at it, after Ananias and Sapphira fell over dead, the very next thing, Peter walks out on the streets, plural, and he just walks down the streets. They have laid the sick and the maim and the lame on the streets, and they get upheeled, every one of them. Mm-hmm. There's such an authority when that presence comes in. It's a wonderful, almost, but frightening authority. And I remember she looked at me and she said, I feel so clean inside. I said, oh my gosh, Jesus, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. I thought that describes what I felt in Brazil. That would I is what would I feel here? So I go to my hotel the next morning. I'm getting up and I'm going to play basketball with the Bible school students at Malaysia. And I'm putting my gym shorts on and I hear the Holy Spirit say, read Psalm 19. Now, I have no idea what's in Psalm 19. So I go in there and I get to the ninth verse, and this is what I read. The fear of the Lord is clean. And I went, that's what that girl said yesterday. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And God spoke to me and he said, son, Lucifer led worship right before my throne in heaven. He beheld my unveiled glory. Mm-hmm. He didn't fear me. He did not endure forever. A third of the angels beheld my glory, surrounded my throne. They didn't fear me. They didn't endure forever. Adam and Eve walked in the garden in the presence of my glory. They didn't fear me. They didn't endure in the garden forever. He said, every created being that surrounds my throne throughout eternity will be tested in the fear of the Lord. I started thinking afterwards. Many men have, many men and women have started in ministry, passionate to serve, excited to be called. They didn't endure in the ministry forever. Mm-hmm. Why? The fear of God. And so the fear of the Lord, for those of, that are listening to us, is not to be scared of God. It has nothing to do with being afraid of God. It's actually being terrified of being away from him. The fear of the Lord must be taught and it must be caught. And that's why we're talking today, because I'm praying every one of your listeners, every single one of them, get something from the Holy Spirit as we speak to one another. Mm-hmm. And they get the holy fear of God in their hearts so they don't become another statistic. Yeah. This is what the Lord is doing in this hour. I just feel it so strongly and I see it play out in the lives of so many people around me. And I believe the Lord over the past 10 years or so, there's been such a revelation of the grace of God, the finished work of Christ, and it was the Lord and it was needed. And there has been so many religious bondages and, you know, this like it's broken off of people, people's lives and brought so much freedom. But with that, there's also been some imbalances or aspects of the gospel that have not been shared. The full counsel needs to be brought forth. And the fear of the Lord is that missing element. And I, I love 
you know, the story that you shared earlier, because so many people push away from the fear of the Lord, saying that is it's an old covenant reality, not a new covenant reality. When the apostle Paul, one of the greatest preachers of the finished work of Christ, the grace of Jesus Christ, talked about our inclusion in Christ from the foundation of the world, the love of God that is immeasurable. He used, he talked about the fear of the Lord very, very frequently, as well as many other writers of the New Testament, like James and Peter. And so um, you made a distinction in your book about the spirit of intimidation, the spirit of fear versus the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And I think that's essential because a lot of people say, well, you know, there's no fear in love or we were not given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. All those are accurate and very, very true, but you actually... In your book, you talk about that's one kind of fear. That's a negative kind of fear, but the fear of the Lord is something entirely different and biblical. And so I'd love to hear about that because many people are thinking, okay, well, let's define the fear of the Lord. Give me some New Testament scriptures like how do I how do I embrace this? I need to understand it. Well, you know, you said it so well, Michael. Uh, Paul the Apostle writes, work out your salvation. Mm. The, the word work out means basically to mature, to bring what was done by God. It was a free gift of grace on the inside of us, and we bring it to the outside where it's seen by others. Mm -hmm. Work out or mature your salvation, he said, with fear and trembling, not with love and kindness, with fear and trembling. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, having the promise of his presence, let us us cleanse ourselves from all the filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Yes. So if you look at when Moses brought the children of Israel out, when God came down on the mountain, all the people ran away. God was so excited to meet them. If you read Exodus 19, he said, hey, the whole reason I got you out of Egypt, because I wanted to bring you to me. I wanted to introduce myself to you. When he introduces himself to him, they all run away. Moses makes a statement that's interesting. He said, do not fear because God's come to test you. What's the test? To see if his fear is in you so that you may not sin. Do not fear because God's come to see if his fear is in you. It sounds like he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. He's actually not. He's differentiating between being scared of God and the fear of the Lord. Mm -hmm. The person who is scared of God is something to hide. Adam, as soon as he sins, he hides from the presence of God, which is so ridiculous because we were told so often in Scripture, there is no creature hidden from his sight. All the motives and intentions of ours are open to him Mm -hmm. of whom we must give an account. Yeah. But that's what the person who lacks the fear of God does. They think they can hide things or keep things in the shadow from God. The person who fears God has nothing to hide. That person says, I am terrified of being away from God. Mm -hmm. So when we fear God, we venerate him. We honor, esteem, respect, value, stand in awe of him more than anything or anyone else. What is important to him becomes important to us. What is not so important to him is not so important to us. We love what he loves and we hate what he hates. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, first of all, there are a lot of people listening to us going, God hates things. Yeah, sure. He does. There's about 12 or 13 times in the scripture that it says God hates something. He hates gossip. Okay. These six things the Lord hates. The seventh is an abomination. What's the seventh? He who sows discord among brothers. That's gossip, right? I mean, he hates lawlessness. I'll never forget when I was a young preacher back in the early 90s, 
I remember one day I was so frustrated in prayer and I said, God, I don't get it. I spend every day in prayer for two hours. Why isn't there a stronger anointing on my life? And I remember that morning, the Holy Spirit said, son, read Hebrews 1. And that Hebrews 1 is when God the Father inaugurates Jesus as king of the universe, right? Yes, yes. God the Father says, because you've loved righteousness and hated sin. Mm-hmm. Now, wait a minute. God stopped me right there. He said, son, every Christian loves righteousness. He said, but I didn't stop there. And hated sin. Therefore, God, even your God has anointed you beyond your companions. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Learn to hate sin the way Jesus hates sin, and you'll see the, what, anointing of God increase on your life. And it happened. (laughs) I look at the fear of the Lord, and in Isaiah 33, verse 6, we are told it is God's treasure. Mm. Now, stop and think about that. Treasure. How do we handle treasure? Do we put them in junk drawers? Do we just Mm. put them off to the side? Or do we put them in center and front? Do we make sure they're protected? Do we make sure they're not misused, right? It's God's treasure. Then if you go to Isaiah 11, it says, The Spirit of the Lord would rest upon Jesus, the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of knowledge, the Spirit of understanding, and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. And it says His delight, Jesus' delight, yes, was in the was the fear mm. of the Lord. Now, shouldn't his delight be our delight? Shouldn't God's treasure be our treasure? Mm-hmm. This is a real mystery to me. Mm-hmm. If this kind of weight and emphasis is put on the holy fear of God in scriptures, why don't we hear it talked about? Michael, I have a goal, and I should say we have a goal. I never like to say I on anything. We have a goal. We want to see. 10,000 pastors in 2023 preaching at least one month on the fear of the Lord, one four-week series. Mm -hmm. We want to see literally 100,000-plus small groups going through the fear, uh, the awe of God curriculum. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm believing with all my heart, the publisher, HarperCollins, says, we're believing that we're going to come up with a plan to get uh, 1 million of these books out in the very first year. It's because all of us, together see the urgency it's almost like you've got a person like an uh almost dying of something because of a deficit of iron let's say in their body mm-hmm. and we've got to say okay we got to double up and we got to get shots of iron in this guy's body yeah we got enough calcium but we don't have any iron mm-hmm. we have heard so much on the grace of god and nobody loves grace more than you and I, Michael. We love grace. I am. I like to say I'm a grace junkie. But if you don't balance the grace of God out with the holy fear of God, see, the, the love of God, the grace of God keeps us from the ditch of legalism. But the fear of God keeps us from the ditch of lawlessness. That's right. And lawlessness is what's causing people not to have an intimate relationship with God right now. Mm-hmm. I believe that 100%. I've just, I'm thinking of one individual in particular. I'm praying for him right now because he he was at one point um, immersed in a revelation of the grace of God and truly lived it out with a holy fear in his life. But then over a period of time, um, was persuaded to just compromise a little bit here or there in different areas of his life. And we know the scriptures say that our conscience becomes seared by sin. It also says in Hebrews chapter four that the deceitfulness of sin hardens our hearts. And so 
over time, it's not that God's turning away from us. It's that our heart turns away from him. It's the effect of sin on our heart. Why does God hate sin? Sin destroys his people, turns our hearts away from the Lord. And over time, his voice gets quieter and quieter. You know, the the, the conviction isn't isn't there as much, but this particular individual can you know he'll he'll cry when he when he hears a message or you know there is this this love that 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 peaks out of his heart but at the same time there's so many different um justifications for compromise because of certain scriptures of grace when he received him in that season but he's departed from the fear of the lord and so i think it is very possible for just it's it's a slow fade it all it takes is a little compromise here, a little compromise there, just like you said, and then our heart begins to get hardened, and then we just I'm confident in the grace of God, I'm confident in the cross, I'm confident in what he's done, you know, but at the same time, it's just we're drifting further and further away, and then darkness is coming in slowly but surely, and then a year later, two years later, you don't even realize it, but you're in depression and and you're broken and you're in all kinds of bondage, and now you need to come to a serious place of repentance and to to you know and now start this journey of just returning back to this place of humility and the fear of the Lord. But the fear of the Lord is to to cause us to, like you said, love righteousness and hate lawlessness, to abhor what is evil, the scriptures say. And these boundaries God gave us in the word of God are because it's best for us. He knows where the abundant life flows and he knows where pain and suffering and destruction happens in our lives. You know, I, I'm a, a father of four sons and yeah, they're in their thirties and late twenties now, but man, when those guys were toddlers, every dad out there is going to relate to this. Christmas is a work day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm the typical dad on my work day. They, all the presents have been open. I, and, and one of my sons says, Hey, will you build this for me? I rip open the box, I throw the pieces on the floor, I throw the box over to the side, I throw the the instruction manual over to the side, and I start building it. And I spend an hour, hour and a half building this toy, right? And now I'm finished, but there's still 10 pieces on the floor, and I flip the switch and it doesn't work. So what do I do? I go back and get the instruction manual, I deconstruct the toy, I construct it the way the owner's manual said to do it, and now I flip the switch and it works. See, God is the one that made us. And God knows what breaks us and God and undoes us. He knows what makes us. That's right. And I am, I am in awe. I mean, if you just look at the original sin in the garden, Eve wasn't drawn to the evil side of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When she saw the tree was good, mm-hmm. good, mm-hmm. good. So what is a lack of the fear of the Lord? I choose what is good, best and right for my life. The fear of the Lord says, I choose whatever God says is good, best, and right for my life. Mm. So it's that absolute trembling at his word. And it's like, you know, I I grieve to this day, but I had a a man say to me who had been in church for a long time, he said, hey, John, what's the price I'll pay if I disobey God? And I was just thinking about that. That happened years ago, probably 15, 16, 17 years ago. And I just I just grieve over that, that even that mentality was present in this man mm-hmm. because he just wanted out of a situation and he knew the only way he could get out of it was just to disobey God's word. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be with another woman. He wanted to be away from his wife. And he just said, what, you know, what's going to happen to me when I yeah. when I don't do when I disobey God's word? Can I do it and get away with it? I mean, I'm like that is a lack 
of the fear of God. And I, to this day, I grieve over that. And, and um, I just know that there's almost a mentality that's with the way we have preached in our Western church that would give you the idea that you think you can stay blessed and disobey God. Mm. I mean, I married this young couple and the girl said, I don't love my husband anymore. I'm going to leave him. And I, I sat her down because I married the couple and I said, has he been, has he been, has he been abusive with you? She could, Oh no. She said, he's a really good husband and he's a phenomenal father. I said, why, why are you leaving him? She said, I just don't love him. I, I felt like I was making a mistake when I walked down the aisle and I, and she said, John, Jesus promised me he would take care of me and bless me no matter what I decided. And I just thought, okay, the fear of the Lord would never, ever allow anyone to think that way. Yeah. Because the fear of the Lord says, even if I don't understand, even if I don't understand, I'm still going to obey God. So my understanding says, I don't love the person. I'm not happy with the person. But my heart says, I fear God. And God told me not to leave my spouse for that reason. (laughs) So I'm staying. (laughs) Now, Lisa and I have been married 40 years. There were days that, listen, I'm telling you, both of us thought there was no hope in our marriage. There wasn't. We were in such strife and such disagreement and no feelings of love. And I remember both of us looked at each other and said, we made a commitment to God. We're going to stay with each other, even if we don't like each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I look at our marriage and that was that was that was so long ago. But I look at our marriage today. And I can't imagine loving a human being more than I love my wife. I can't even imagine that there's more that you can have more love. Mm. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, if I would have back in those days when I was just so ready to say, I'm going to throw in the towel. The only thing that kept me from throwing in the towel was my fear of God. That's right. Every reason inside of me said, get out of here. And every reason inside of Lisa said, get out of here. Mm-hmm. But we both feared God. Mm-hmm. And now I'm looking at the rewards of staying married now, 20 years later. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't even believe I ever even thought that way. Wow. That's beautiful. That's such an encouragement. And I would say for those who are listening, as we close out this podcast, for those who are listening, you know, for me, I can go back and I can say like, I didn't focus. I didn't you know, memorize a thousand scriptures in the fear of the Lord, you know, I, but I know that from the moment I got saved, there was a fear of the Lord in my life and I've guarded it over the years. And I wonder how did I guard it? I daily spent time in the presence of God, valuing his will over my own, always seeking his will, his desire. I spent time in the word, memorizing the word, meditating on the word. Um, but then I also prayed for the fear of the Lord, um, to, to be in my life. And I, And I remember moments thinking the fear of the Lord is anchoring me right now, like being newly saved about a year in. I remember there was a time in my life I was struggling with um, a particular sin and depression and self-condemnation would hit me. And then from that place, I would want to drink or party or do something. But then I told all my friends about the Lord already and the testimony of Jesus on my life. And I couldn't do it with anybody because I didn't want to I didn't want to 
put down the name of Jesus. I, I didn't want to be the reason why someone didn't encounter the Lord. And I just knew, like, I just felt that the Holy Spirit on the inside of me gripping me saying, you cannot do that. Like there was this, this guarding of my heart and I didn't memorize 20 scriptures in the fear of the Lord, but I prayed for the fear of the Lord to touch my life. And there's been so many times where I wanted to give in the temptation or do the wrong thing, but there was this, the Holy Spirit just pursuing my heart and not allowing me to cross over that line because of the depth of my relationship with him. And I feel like for those who are listening right now who maybe are realizing there's area of their lives that are in compromise or sin, obviously repentance, right? And that word we don't talk about a lot in the body of Christ nowadays in the Western church, but what would you say to someone who wants to grow in the fear of the Lord? Are the things that I mentioned good ways to get there? Or what What would you say to that? Well, absolutely. Remember, he is it, that is one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, if you ask your father for the Holy Spirit, he'll give them to you. So, yeah, you yeah. said you were praying for it. The other thing is the psalmist says, and I think it's Psalm 37, come close and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So it needs to be taught, needs to be received, yes. both. But I'm telling you, Michael, when I was in my hallway this morning, just outside my office door, walking back and forth and praying, I was crying out to God to please baptize me in the Holy Spirit of the fear of the Lord. Amen. I don't ever want to take the fear of the Lord for granted. I don't ever want to lose it like Solomon lost it. Solomon lost it, mm-hmm. and he became a pessimistic cynic. Do you know how many cynics I've met in ministry, in the church? They're cynical. They're jaded. Why? They lost the fear of God. And so I look at how Solomon lost it. We get the book of Ecclesiastes. What goes around comes around. The day you die is better than the day you're born. And you're like, oh, but then at the end of his life, he says the all important statement. I have come back to my senses. I've got my right mind back. This is the conclusion of all of life. Fear God and keep his commandments. So good. This is all. And so I'm telling you, the love of God and the fear of God are two virtues that we want to embrace. That's right. That's right. And John, I would love to just close out this podcast with you praying for everyone who's watching and listening right now, because we believe in the power of prayer and we believe that all it takes is a moment in the presence of God, the turning of our heart, our attention, our affection to him and allowing his truth to shine on our being to expose lies, to expose hidden areas. And one moment with him could be a huge turning point. And there could even be an impartation of the fear of the Lord through prayer. So however, however you feel led to pray, the floor is yours. But I think that'd be a great way to close this. Heavenly Father, we come before you, all of us right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you so very, very much that for the privilege of being your children. Lord, you could have made us slaves and that would have been so much better than where we were. But you've called us sons and daughters. Father, you, you delight, you delighted, Jesus, in the fear of the Lord. Father, you said it's your treasure. And so, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I cry out to you that you would baptize all of us, every single person listening, in the Holy Spirit of the fear of the Lord. We cry out, Lord God, for your wisdom, insight, understanding. We know the fear of the Lord is the starting place for those virtues. And so, Father, we are asking that you would baptize us now in your 
power in your Holy Spirit of fear so that we might walk closely with you all the days of our life. And so, Lord, I just thank you for your presence coming on my brothers and my sisters right now as we pray. And I thank you so much for Michael. I pray that you continue to, Lord, bless him. May this podcast reach more people. May he impact more lives. And we just give you the praise and the glory and the honor for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And amen. Amen. You know, Michael, um, the, the the book is called The Holy Awe, or it's called The Awe of God. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I want to mention to everybody is I know what a struggle it is for people to read nowadays. And I, you know, I spent all of all of last year writing this book. I mean, I poured into this book like no book I've ever written before. And I and I did a lot of praying and I thought, how do I get this message into the Gen Z's, the millennium, the millennials? And I thought of how short our people's attention span are. So what I did is I wrote 42 chapters. Now, it sounds like, oh, my gosh, that's a big book. No, it's not, because each chapter is only six pages long. So it can be read in five to seven minutes. Right. At the end of every chapter, I've got the five P's. Mm -hmm. That's the passage. Then there's a point. That's the main point of that chapter. Mm -hmm. Then it's got ponder. And that's really where it gets good. Because I ask questions that really are going to cause people to search by themselves, not in a group, by themselves. Mm -hmm. And then I have the prayer. And then I have the profession for the day. And then also there's going to be a QR code in the appendix that at every day, because 42 chapters is 42 days, which is six weeks. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there are 42 four minute videos, and they just put their phone on that QR code. They can go right to that day's video. I want to get this in them so deeply that they become like what I just heard you testify. Mm-hmm. You found out about the fear of the Lord in the very first year of your salvation. Here you are, you were tempted to walk away. You were tempted to slide away. Remember, sliding doesn't happen noticeably. It gradually happens, right? As you so beautifully put it. But you haven't. Why? Because you were wise. You cried out for the fear of the Lord. I, I just sat there and I thought, what message can I write that will encapsulate not a deep, deep study that people are going to get bored when they're they're yeah. 10 pages into it, mm-hmm. but something that's going to make them want to come back every single time more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And and I believe God gave it. And so I'm just believing it's going to help a lot of your listeners. Yeah, I could testify to that. I'm halfway through the book right now. And like you said, five to six pages each chapter. So rich, so much words, so much testimony, so much truth. Um, and so it's been enriching. And so I in the description section here, um, there's going to be a link for the websites. You can go ahead and get a copy of The Awe of God. I highly recommend it. This is what the Lord is doing in this hour. If you want to walk in the abundant life that Jesus promised, we must in, we must embrace this. For those who have listened to my podcast, they know we're always talking about the yielded life, the surrendered life, not my will, but his be done. And that is the place where the abundant life flows, that narrow road. And no wonder why so many believers around the world are not experiencing 
peace, joy, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit, which is the kingdom of God, because we have not embraced the full counsel of God and we don't walk in the fear of the Lord and have daily communion with him. His word isn't abiding in our hearts. We're not daily looking to him. You talk about the judgment seat of Christ in such a beautiful light in this book that exposes such incredible reality. And so for those who are watching right now, make sure to grab a copy. It's going to bless you. It's going to bring transformation into your year and all of your years moving forward. And so thank you, John, so much for just stewarding the gospel for so many years and um, just obeying the Lord with your wife and for your ministry. And thank you for spending the time to be on this podcast with me today. Oh, Michael, it's been an honor, as I said, and I sure love you, man. I love your heart. Love, love, love your uh, your love for people. So thank you. Really yeah. a privilege. Lisa and I, we bless you and we just love you guys. <laughs> we love you guys too so much. And so for those who are watching, make sure to grab a copy of The Awe of God. Um, and so make sure also to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so we can get it out to more people so they could be blessed, they could be strengthened, they could be challenged, transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bless you. And I'll speak to you next time on Awaken Podcast. <laughs>Hey guys, Michael Lombardo here. Uh, Just quickly, I just want to make a resource available to you. I wrote a book released with Destiny Image Publishers called Immersed in His Glory, a supernatural guide to experiencing and abiding in God's presence. My desire is for you to get to know the Lord in a experiential way, to break every barrier to experience God's presence in your everyday life. I've met people all over the world that are just hungry to know him, but just don't know how to get there, don't know how to experience Jesus in a deeper way. You know, what keeps you from encountering him in a greater way? Do you feel unfit to enter his presence? Do you feel stuck? Maybe you worry that you don't know enough to meet with God. Every human being is hardwired with a need for intimacy with God. When this need isn't met, we search elsewhere and we find ourselves broken and unfulfilled. But connecting with God is of utmost importance. And in this book, I'm just inviting you to experience this vital union with the Holy Spirit that is greater than you have ever imagined. A continuous fellowship with God where a lifestyle of miracles, visions, encounters becomes normal. All right, so in this book, you learn how to be free from self-condemnation, guilt, and shame through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You learn how to um, have guidance from God as you experience His presence every day. You overcome lies that have held you back from experiencing more of God. You get a revelation of your inheritance that was already freely yours, you know, through the lavish gift of grace through Jesus. And so I just want to present this to you immersed in His glory. You can go to Amazon and find it there. You could also go to my website, lifepouredoutintl.org, lifepouredoutintl.org, or you can go to destinyimage.com. The audiobook is available as well on amazon.com as well as some video teachings at destinyimage.com and so bless you guys grab a copy of immersed in his glory thank you